Alrighty. Yes. So it's been a while, man. I know. I think it's been like it's over two weeks, almost three um, weeks, I guess. It's been because we recorded uh, our last episode early. I, I think it's been about two and a half weeks, real time, since wow. we talked to each other. Yeah, and uh, normal. So I, I don't know if anybody's going to notice a. Will anybody notice a hiatus? Yeah, because okay. uh, this episode here, we should have recorded on like Wednesday or Thursday and recorded the next episode today, so there uh, will be a little bit of a break, but I uh, I don't fucking care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even normally care myself, because like I told you before, I don't know when my favorite podcasts take a break, because I'm literally a year behind, but I know there are people who like to listen week to week, and they, um, I don't, and, and, and conventional wisdom among the podcast community is, if you take a week off, your listens will drop to zero. I don't know why people think that, but that is what podcasters think. Don't you, don't you agree? Yeah, that's, that's the general consensus, but <laughs> Tim, also the general consensus is people don't have a year backlog of episodes that they're listening to. <laughs> that's true, too, but I, I mean, just I, I don't think that if you take a week off, your listens will drop to zero and your, your podcast will, will fail, so... Um, you know, I'm totally cool with taking a week off. Go join the Patreon for crying out loud. Yeah, go Just go join that. go go join the Patreon. And um while you're at it, listen to the free feed and listen back to all the episodes uh where I have to yell at Bosco for licking himself because I can't do that anymore. Yeah, that's that's why we had to take this other uh, major life change hiatus. Most of the time they've they've been for good stuff, but not this time. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so what I haven't even heard, like, I mean, I guess I, I, I've seen your Facebook posts and stuff, but like, it just seemed sudden. It was very sudden. So let's go back a little bit. He tore his ACL probably like two and a half months ago, and he was on the road to recovery. Um, it was a, a winding road, but it was, you know, a, a road he was traveling. Uh, okay, let's get off this metaphor. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, a while back, maybe like a month to six weeks ago, we took him to the vet because he was throwing up and losing control of his bladder and didn't really have much interest in eating. So we were like, okay, what's what's going on here? He's got like some stomach issues, but that wouldn't really explain the bladder thing. Turned out he had a full-blown UTI. Don't know how he got it. Apparently, uh, it, it's... Uh, Rare, but not impossible for boy dogs to get a UTI, but he had a bad one. (laughs) I'm guessing he, like, uh, ate something or licked something and then licked himself, Um, I I guess. But we got him on antibiotics for that, and everything was going, like, good, you know? Um, And then one day, probably three weeks after, weirdly enough, after we, like, ran out of antibiotics for the UTI. He just decided he didn't want to stand up on his own anymore. Mm. He didn't want to eat anything anymore. Um, Didn't really want to do anything other than sleep, uh, which is not uncommon for him, but coupled with all of those, it's uh, a little concerning. Um, Stopped responding to us. So he he was not doing great. So took him to the vet again, and whenever we had him in there for the UTI, they ran blood work on him and said, yeah, everything's fine. There's a, there's one level that's a little high, but it's nothing to be concerned about. 
And that was a month prior to this most recent visit. So we take him in, they run blood work on him again. Every level is elevated, like mm. extremely elevated. Liver, kidneys, um, calcium, everything. So they say, well, we want to keep him overnight to run an IV on him to try and get some of those levels down and see where we're at in the morning. So we do that. Uh, they call the next morning and say that they've got good news, bad news. Good news is that the IV worked and they got most of his levels down. Uh, liver and kidneys were, were back to normal, normal levels, normal values, except for his calcium level. His calcium was still very high. And they said that's the good news. The bad news is that they also found a mass on his spleen. Mm. So when you combine the mass with an elevated calcium level, that is, uh, again, we don't know 100% for sure, but that is a very, very likely glimpse at cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, they, They didn't run any biopsy on him because, I mean, that would just be, you know, shoving a long needle into him. Yeah, but the uh, doctor also said with how quickly that came on, it's her assumption that it's not just that mass on his spleen. There's probably other masses that are cancerous elsewhere in his body. Um, so we did like a last ditch uh, high powered steroid to get that calcium level down with our hopes being that if we got the calcium level down, we would prepare him for an already risky surgery because I, I've told you we we really can't operate on him because of his heart. But mm, yeah. the the steroid would get his calcium level down, and that would be enough to uh, on a normal dog operate and take his spleen out and take the mass out. But um, we did the steroid. Steroid didn't take, so his calcium level is still very high. And she said, well, we can proceed one of two ways. We can operate anyway, which is going to be very risky, A, with his heart, B, with the calcium level, or we can discharge him and you can make him comfortable for the weekend. Mm. And that's what we decided to do. Jeez, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, if, um, if the calcium level would have come down, we would have been putting him into surgery. That's... Mm-hmm. That's the thing, because we, we were not concerned about how much it was going to cost. Yeah. Um, but with uh, with the calcium and his heart, we were like, I, I mean, there's there's no way he would make it off that table. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, like she said, they, there's a good chance that it's elsewhere in his body, too. So mm-hmm. how long until we're just doing this again for for some other part of his body? Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a really hard week. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, yeah, when you were, we're like, so we were supposed to record and you were in the hospital and you were like, oh, I just got to take a break. And I was like, oh, I guess things are getting busy for Ted or whatever. And I had no idea yeah. what actually was going on. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I, I tried to I tried to keep Twitter and Patreon updated without getting too, you know, bleak. Right. Um but yeah, the uh, the finality of it is that it's uh, it's pretty bleak. It's um, not fun over yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, losing a member of the family like that always tough. Yeah. 
Uh, I can't say I've had as eventful a week. I don't even know. It's just been business as usual over here. So, uh, yeah. Should we just get going? Might as well, yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing. Watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 6, Episode 9, The Therapist. I couldn't believe when I started it up, I was like, Oh no! I'm 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 starting up like what looks like close to the last episode. I know we're not there, and I was like, "Oh damn, we are! We're like almost done with season six. Uh, and so we will be talking about that. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? The N word. We really did need a break, a nice long break <laughs> after the N word. <laughs> we everyone needed to uh, um, recover from that. Uh, really, the only bit of homework we had was we wanted to know what was Jake Johnson up to. Uh, around this time, it, we see him as the character who uh, says the titular line, <laughs> as it were. Oh, no. <laughs> no. So a big but role. We, we know him as the guy who said <laughs> the yeah, N-word. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and so I didn't know this. His, his full name is Mark Jake Johnson Weinberger. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough. Yeah, I know. Mark it's... Jake Johnson Weinberger. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea. <laughs> it's interesting. Like, he had a little name hidden in there. So he was born in 1978, so he's 44 right now, if you're listening uh, to us in real time. Born in Evanston, Illinois, a northern suburb of Chicago. Attended New Trier High School in Winnetka, which I've, he, he grew up like eight minutes from where, where, where my dad went to school. Oh my, my dad God. grew up in Winnetka and went to a different <laughs> Catholic school, but they grew up obviously decades apart, but in the same neighborhoods. I thought that was kind of cool to find out. Jake started his post-secondary education at the University of Iowa. While in Iowa City, he wrote a play, which wound up earning him admission to the dramatic writing department at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. And that was followed by the 2002 John Golden Playwriting Prize and the Sloan Fellowship for Screenwriting. So a talented writer, like immediately, which I did not know about him. I always just knew him as an actor. He even had his play Cousins produced off-Broadway in New York City. Uh, and this is all, I think, while he was in college. And so when he went, ended up going, I guess, to NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, he started a sketch comedy troupe called the Midwesterners, modeling their material <laughs> after HBO's sketch comedy Mr. Show with Bob and David. And then he moved to L.A., and he worked as a waiter and a production assistant and scored a series of bit, feature, and guest TV roles. In 2007, he landed a more regular gig on the TBS mini show Derek and Simon, The Show, which was produced by, obviously, one of his idols, Bob Odenkirk, and created by Derek Waters and Simon Helberg. Of course, Simon Helberg from uh, Big Bang Theory. And oh, Okay. Yeah, and Derek Waters is the drunk history guy, I believe. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's the drunk history guy. So um, I guess they had this weird TBS, you know, 15-minute show or whatever. I think it might have even, you know, I guess it was probably when, you know, uh, Adult Swim was still kind of popping off, and they were trying these little kind of alternative comedy mini shows on a lot of those Turner networks, I guess. Uh, and so, you know, this was a, this curb was in 2007. He had a couple of guest spots, a couple of movies, and then New Girl finally popped off in 2011. Interestingly enough, I mentioned Derek Waters and Drunk History. Drunk History was inspired by a 2007 conversation that Jake Johnson had with Derek Waters. While he was drunk, Jake Johnson was trying to describe the story of Otis Redding's death, 
and Waters was inspired to build a whole, whole series around history <laughs> narrated by drunk people. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I, I hope that Jake Johnson got like an EP credit on that then. I know, I know, or a created uh, by or something. <laughs> yeah. It, inspired by an evening with Jake Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which those first when Drunk History was just on YouTube. I mean, that was, like, one of the most dropped dead. I watched the same three episodes, like, over and over. I don't remember what they were. I think Jack Black was in one. I mean, I would just, like, fall out laughing at those all the time. And then I love the Comedy Central show, of course. But I found it to... It, it kind of, like, became a victim of its own popularity because I felt like some of the drunk people... There was were a lot really... of six, a lot of celebrities in it. Yeah, and then I felt like a lot of the drunk people were playing it up. Like, all right, dial it back to drink Sally. Like, you know, <laughs> you're really chewing the scenery here. I, and I actually don't think I knew that it was a, a YouTube series before it was on Comedy Central. I thought it was just a, a Comedy Central thing. Yeah, yeah. It made, it made total sense for Comedy Central. I don't know why. I don't know. I, and it was amazing that it was just a YouTube thing because, like, big famous people were in it. So maybe it was on some other network and, that I didn't know about and you know comedy central picked it up or something but i think Derek waters is also kind of a respected you know comic entity and so he probably has a lot of those friends who are like yeah i'll be on your youtube thing what do you got but it also had like a super high production value even in those early days like you know the costumes and everything were were done really well so yeah. wow um, i didn't know they yeah. did six seasons on comedy central <laughs> wow holy I, shit i don't know how many of those i saw <laughs> but i watched it pretty regularly i watched it pretty regularly oh my god I wonder if, like, because it goes back as far as 2013. I wonder if that's the YouTube or if that's... No, that's uh, that's Comedy Central. Oh, my this God. This does say that Jake Johnson appeared in the first episode of the web series as Aaron Burr. And then when it was adapted for television under the same title on Comedy Central, he appeared in the eighth episode as William B. Travis and the ninth episode of season three as Boris Spassky. I don't know who either of those people are. Obviously, I didn't retain any of the drunk history that I watched, but that was also the great thing about it, too, is like the I think the stories were they were like legit. They were like true. You know, they they wouldn't put anything in there that didn't happen, except like, you know, every so often the drunk person would say like, so, you know, George Washington called him up and he was like, blah, blah. And and George Washington literally pulls out a cell phone. That's always my favorite gag when an anachronism makes it into into the drunk person's speech and and they go with it in the in the in the reenactment and like literally george washington's on the phone <laughs> okay so yeah I'm, I'm looking at i'm looking at the wiki now uh it, to to jake johnson's aaron burr was michael sarah's alexander hamilton yes, i remember michael sarah being a part of that <laughs> um to uh to jack black's benjamin franklin was clark you go. as uh, as william franklin yes um Jesus. Okay, Danny McBride is George Washington. Oh, that's amazing. In, uh, in episode three. That's um, it. I, mean, I, I just got to go back and watch the, the web series again. Ooh, okay. So uh, episode five of season one, Will Ferrell is Abraham Lincoln. Don yeah. Cheadle is Frederick Douglass. Zoe Deschanel is Mary Todd Lincoln. Yes. So if, uh, if Jake Johnson is, uh, you know, like part of the show behind the scenes or anything this is that's a whole year prior to he and zoe being on new girl together wow they were like we got some chemistry we should do something we should get something going yeah now i gotta just go back and watch those web episodes again (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) web episodes i'm old and i i um separate 
conjoined words. I mean, uh, modern I, age. I, I I don't think the new term is calling them webisodes. That's very. No, you're right. <laughs> that that's 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 very elder millennial. Have you seen the latest webisode of Ugh. Fred? Ugh. <laughs> Fred, latest webisode. You know, Tim Christ. <laughs> So just a couple of notes about uh, Jake Johnson here. He married Aaron Payne, an artist, in 2006. They have twin daughters, Elizabeth and Olivia, born in 2014. And they've been together since 2003. So like 20 years. Oh, uh, wow. Which, you know, it's so rare in Hollywood, I find. So yeah, I that's awesome. And uh, in 2010, Jake Johnson was cast in a small role in the Russell Brand comedy, Get Him to the Greek, the spiritual sequel to Forgetting Sarah Marshall, available on Patreon right now. Wait, what? He's in Get Him to the Greek? I guess, yeah. I don't remember him in that either. All, all I remember is Jonah Hill, Russell Brand, and Puff Daddy. That's it. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember at all. Oh, you know what? I think he's in the... I think he's in, like, the team of, like, business people that Jonah Hill is in. Oh, like... Oh, yeah. Like, the label, you know, underlings or whatever. Yeah. I also have to play this very funny, it's only a minute, and I'll drop the actual audio in when I edit this, if I remember. Oh, he's got a sick mustache and get him to the Greek. <laughs> he can grow a sick mustache, as we he, as we see He had one. Her. He had one in, uh, it, oh wait, no, I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of Max Greenfield. Um, but he had one in a couple episodes of New Girl as a yeah. throwback, like in one, yeah. one of their, in one of their, um like flashback scenes <laughs> yeah he, he can grow a good mustache some people look good with or without a mustache some people look funny with a mustache but he, he can definitely pull it off but i found this uh from larry this is a webisode of larry king uh because when he i guess larry king eventually moved to something called aura.tv ora.tv after his like actual tv career uh and so this was from that um webisode <laughs> Uh, Jake Johnson being interviewed by Larry King, and he's got a very funny story about his Curb. And he calls it one of, he's like, it might have been my first acting gig. I did an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was my one of my first jobs, if not my first TV job. And it was my part to say the N-word casually. <laughs> and so I got the audition and I was really nervous about it. But, you know, to work with Larry, I was like, I'll do anything, man. He's the best. And so the job was, is I'm on a cell phone and I say the N-word and he hears. And that starts a big episode where then he's talking about it and Garland hears. It's It's, a great show. It's a great show. And so I I do the scene. And it's really uncomfortable to say that word, especially as like you're a goofy little white boy. They call cut and nobody in the crew laughs. Larry doesn't laugh. There's just a long pause and Larry David goes, that was almost too realistic. And everybody looks at me because it's improvised like I wanted to do it. My hands were shaking. I was like, get me out of here. Man. I want to go home. Oh, my I thought that God. was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was too realistic. Jesus. I know. I know. <laughs> like, not like the, not the feedback. You acted too well. Like, not the feedback you want to hear delivering that particular line. <laughs> yeah, you were too believable saying too believable the N-word as a white man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought that was so hilarious. Oh, I, the only other bit we have here, uh, I don't know if this counts as Curb Your Continuity, but at the hospital cafeteria, Larry and Jeff have lunch at table 15, according to the table number. Halfway through the scene, the table number disappears. Where did it go, Ted? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not as egregious as some other uh, giant plot lines, but, uh, you know, I wanted to mention it since it's kind of a, a we're, you know, we're trying to make it happen, trying to make the new uh, feature happen. Uh, and that's all I got. All right. Uh, do we got any news or anything? Yeah, I, I want to mention a couple things. First, Jerry Seinfeld was back in Erie, back on the 18th, you know, our former uh, home base. He'd been there a couple times. Uh, just wanted to mention that. And then also, I wanted to, how do I get to, oh, there it is. Uh, I, I got a shout out, friggin' Jenny Lewis, who retweeted us. So I tweeted about uh, one of my favorite musical artists is Jenny Lewis, formerly of Rilo Kylie. She has a new album coming out soon, and she's been dropping singles. And one of them is called Giddy Up. And so I just tweeted a dumb, uh, like. Oh, I uh, remember seeing this. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can't find it. Um, I just tweeted a dumb, the dumb picture of Kramer. And by the way, it was like the most low quality GIF I could have found. Absolutely. And I said, my, and I said, MRW, when someone asks, oh, wait, I, I doubled up on when MRW, someone asks, um, my reaction, when, when someone <laughs> asked what the name of the new Jenny Lewis song is, and it's Kramer just saying, giddy up. And she retweeted it to her 118,000 followers. And we got <laughs> two more retweets, a couple of replies, uh, 28 likes. And over 6,000 views of that tweet. Hell yeah. I know. I don't know if it, um, I don't know if any, uh, I haven't checked the stats to see if that equaled a bump in downloads, but uh, I thought that was very cool, <laughs> especially because I'm such a big Jenny Lewis fan. I highly recommend all of her work with Rilo Kylie and her solo albums have just been, uh, I mean, next level. I mean, like, I literally think she's a genius, like, especially uh, if you listen to On the Line and The Voyager are like just excellent. But yeah, and it gave me an idea for the next movie we should do whenever we have time for that. Can't believe I might have forgotten about this one. She was previously an actress, Jenny Lewis. And so in honor of her retweeting us, I nominate for our next Patreon movie, The Wizard. I don't have you even heard? know. I've never, I've never seen it. I don't know what it is. So not only does it have Jenny Lewis, but it also has... Fred Savage, who, of course, was in uh, an episode of Seinfeld when Kramer moves out to L.A. It is from 1989. It was released at the end of 1989. And it was basically a big advertisement for Nintendo. Oh, I am down. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fred Savage has this little brother who is, I guess, I guess, I don't know if they ever say it, but he's like autistic. But he is like super good at video games. And so mm -hmm. they run away from home to go to like the Nintendo Championships. And it's actually the movie where they debuted the first gameplay of Super Mario Brothers 3. Mm -hmm. And the Nintendo Power Glove is in it. And it just holds such a it's on like such a pantheon <laughs> of outdated movies that elder millennials grew up loving. And I have even better news. It is a twenty-seven fifty-nine on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh hell yes! Yes, hell <laughs> I was yes. like, this is perfect. Even so, um, thank you, Jenny Lewis. Even more so. I'm looking at uh, what it is on Vudu. It is a four point four out of five on Vudu. Wow, that is so the Vudu people love it. The Vudu people on Vudu love the Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> if you can watch it for free. You do not mind unless you're a critic. <laughs> then you do. You probably saw that for free as well. Yeah, uh, I was like, it, this it, is going to be great. Doesn't look like it's streaming anywhere, but oh, it is. No. It is available to rent from three ninety nine oh, from okay. a bunch I of can, places. I can drop four bucks on the wizard. Yeah, I uh, I think it's going to be, and um, it's got Christian Slater and one of the bridges, like Bo Bridges or yeah, Bo Bridges is in it. Yeah, um, and Sam McMurray, who uh, was in um, 
man, what was I know Sam McMurray was in. He was in uh Adam's Family Values and he was in Christmas Vacation. I don't know if he was ever in an episode of of Curb or Seinfeld, but I know he's popped up in a couple of other movies that we've done, oddly enough. So yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be great. <laughs> I can't wait to see this movie again. All right. Um Any yeah, but news that's, or anything? That's news. Yep, that's it. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show despite the last Yikes. 30 minutes <laughs> pre-edit being exclusively research and bullshit. But we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 16 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at no hugging on Twitter or no hugging, no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. It really does help out the show. However, if you like us a little bit more than just giving us a rating, maybe you already did give us a rating. Check us out over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you can get early access to extended versions of every episode that we release, as well as, uh, oh, I just, uh, I turned into a, <laughs> a, a Jake Johnson Chicagoan for a second. <laughs> early access to all of our episodes um, but no, as well as uh, movie reviews from the Seinfeld extended cinematic universe. And maybe maybe the next one is The Wizard. Who knows? It probably mm-hmm. is going to be. But when that comes out, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to get back on track for the actual show. Yeah, we do. Um, let's uh, let's let's put the focus on that first. Um, <laughs> I did get an email from Patreon saying that they now offer uh, the ability for us to give out free trials. Oh wow! Yeah, I um, I wish it would be like, I I wish you could like customize the length of it, but it says, yeah, you can now give out a seven day free trial. I'm like, you can listen to all of our content in seven days <laughs> if you want. <laughs> I mean, if you if you if you do that and you still don't subscribe, then you, you know what? Good good for you. Good for you yeah. for uh, game the system. Yeah, for for gaming the system. But I I would hope. That if you listen to the extended versions of like the last, oh my god, I, I don't know, year and a half of episodes, mm-hmm. or, or at least the ex- extra content from a year and a half of episodes and all of our reviews in a week, and you don't <laughs> fall in love with us by then, then the problem is really you. Just out of spite. Yeah, you're way too spiteful. Like, I'm going to listen to all this out of spite. I hate it so much. But... I, I'm going to sign up for their highest tier out of spite. I'm going to I'm gonna buy one of their t-shirts on eBay because there was only four that was made. Uh... If you join us over on Patreon, you can join the likes of Drybones, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John and Kathleen Murphy, Tim's dad and mom, Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, J. Lord Condog, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much. Again, patreon.com slash no hugging. All of that being said... Season 6, Episode 9, The Therapists. Original air date, November 4th, 2007. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry tries to curry favor with Cheryl by influencing her therapists. 
It's not bad. No. I, I don't know why it's therapists plural, but we'll, oh, yeah. uh, we'll fix that later <laughs> yeah, maybe on. We, maybe, hopefully that's it. We just get rid of well, Hopefully that's one. it. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully that's it. Uh, it has been a while since I've seen the episode. Hopefully I know what my notes were talking about. Uh, who the hell is Lanny? No, I'm just kidding. I watched it again. <laughs> I watched it again yesterday just to make sure because I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to remember <laughs> what I was writing. Uh, so we open at a bar and Larry is attempting to, well, kind of attempting to reconcile, but really just kind of pleading his case with Cheryl that he is a changed yeah. man now. Did, did you also think that this was a, dr- uh, a dream sequence? No. Okay. I I definitely thought it was a dream sequence because I, I thought it was that. going way too well. <laughs> yeah, it is going really well. I mean, he's like talking about how, look, look how I dress now. I dress the way you wanted me to. I'm not wearing sneakers. I never understood what problem Cheryl had with the way Larry dresses. Uh, that continuously boggles my mind because he, he dresses business casual all the time. I like, I'm a, f- over, I'm over 40. I work in an office and Larry David does neither of those things is neither of those things and he still dresses better than me on the daily (laughs) like i wear sneakers to work and jeans but you're not wearing like uh you're not wearing like dress pants that are definitely way too long (laughs) no i'm not wearing jenko's line of slacks yeah are you wearing like white new balances to work no, no, they are New Balances, but they're black. Okay, you're not wearing like the the dad cooking out on Memorial Day no, sneakers. No. Okay, I guess I can see what you mean. In fact, there was actually a Reddit thread that recently that speaks to this very well. I think it was you know what's the male equivalent of a woman's little black dress? Like what can guys wear that they? <laughs> and the the top comment wasn't a thing. It was like I've just learned from this thread that women just want men to wear clothes that fit them. And I guess that's what you're you're saying is like he always he was rocking like business lounge business athleisure. I don't know. It was like yeah. it wasn't really business casual. It was like business flowy business. I don't know how I don't know how you describe it, but now I get what you're saying. That that's how I that's why she had the problem with uh, the way he dressed. So and the big the stark white sneakers against the dark blacks. <laughs> I guess was also not uh, very couture. Uh, but he was like, you know, I want to travel more. What were we doing? You know, you said we wanted to go to these places. I want to travel. You wanted to scuba dive. I want to scuba dive. That's that one. I I knew they were just kind of like riffing. But if they wanted to go scuba diving, you both go out on the boat. Larry stays under the canopy. Cheryl scuba dives for as long as she wants. You still could have done scuba diving. Yeah. You didn't have to be down in the water together. And it, but I did like that he said, you know, I I can't see underwater. Which as a person who wears glasses and does not have contacts or anything, I totally feel him like. Because he's like, I, I don't, I'll feel around for the fish. <laughs> I thought that was funny. He was like, you know, and, and so I'm new Larry. I'm not old Larry. You know, old Larry hated your sister. <laughs> and Cheryl's like, he, he did? <laughs> and he's like, let's not talk about that. That's old Larry. But Cheryl is very impressed. And so Larry takes it a step further. He asks her out on a date. Let's, let's do dinner and a movie. I want to take you out. And she, Cheryl has to run her by her therapist. Uh, and Larry at that point starts to gripe about tipping the bartender, but Cheryl mentions, you know, they work hard and that's when Larry transforms. Right. We almost saw a little old Larry peek through that. He's like, Oh, come on. He was like talking about how entitled bartenders are, uh, (laughs) to make a lot of money. money. They get 20% off of every drink. Yeah. (laughs) If someone gives them a 20% tip, Larry, it's not just a fucking guaranteed thing. Cause yeah, welcome but, to America. But also I feel like sometimes, I mean, I'm not defending Larry's position, but sometimes I, cause I think they deserve it. Sometimes they make more because if you're getting like a five or $6 beer and you leave a dollar on that, 
that's you know close to twenty percent, right? That or that's yeah. So I think they do make about that, uh, and most people I think would try to do that if they're paying cash these days with cards. It's probably the opposite, but but yeah, he's he's like. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, they're on their feet all day. Uh, of course, I should tip them. So he realizes he has to really work hard at being new Larry. <laughs> so over at eighty-five thirty Wilshire Boulevard on the corner of La Cienega, it was uh, there's like pediatrics there. Uh, there's something called V8 VFS Global that I think does visa applications. The building's definitely still there, uh, and it also contains the office for. Larry's therapist in this story. I think we've been here before as well. I recognize the building. I don't remember what was there before, but maybe um, maybe Larry's PI or something like that. I don't know. But uh, Larry's therapist is there, a.k.a. Steve Coogan. Did you recognize him? I didn't know him by name. I, I thought he looked familiar, but I'm like, I don't know who this is. Yeah, this guy, just a hilarious... Uh, I mean, probably to Americans, maybe the other guys would be what he's most known for he plays you know he plays a part in that like uh will ferrell and uh marky mark go in to interrogate him a couple times and he always like finds a way to get out of it by bribing them with something like he gives them tickets to a broadway show and they're like sitting in there they're like oh my gosh he did it again he got rid of us again (laughs) um, (laughs) and i first saw him in a movie i love called 24 hour party people about factory records uh over in england but steve coogan is like a comedy god in his home country of england like oh i don't know if he's actually english we'll just say united kingdom um he he had this this, like bumbling news character called alan partridge that like made fun of the way that like news people delivered the news and how they did those like public interest stories and stuff like um you know and then then he finally you know he made the jump to america i don't know probably like around this time is when he was like really uh like popping off making an American presence for himself because he was just so huge in England for his entire career. But uh, I, I think he's very funny. I like this guy. Uh, and uh, Steve Coogan is being told by Larry excitedly. He's recounting the progress that he's made with Cheryl being new Larry and they get to go on a date. And when I like the advice that he gives him because Larry's like, you know, do you want to do dinner and then a movie? Because you know, that's the normal, but then depending on the show times, but then sometimes you want to do movie and then dinner. So you have something to talk about at dinner. And, <laughs> um, and Steve Coogan goes, we'll, we'll do movie and dinner. Okay. Let's not even discuss it. I like that. He gave him that advice, like as a, as a therapist, yeah. <laughs> like it sounded like medical advice, which is good, right, we'll do- <laughs> which is good advice. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a good, uh, it's a good order to do it. Yes, I agree. I agree. Because you don't want to shit your pants like Ted in a movie. You don't want to do dinner first and then shit your pants <laughs> throughout the film. That would not have won Cheryl back. Um, he tells him, and this is another reason he w- wants to do movie first. When you're in the movie, grab her hand softly and just whisper, I love you. Just say, I love you. And then at dinner, say you want her to move back in and give her an ultimatum that you have until Monday. And then the offer's off the table. Because that is going to exude confidence, and that's not something that a pussy would say. And Larry's like, do you get a lot of pussy from me? (laughs) And he's like, not an amount that is not manageable. (laughs) (laughs) I love that back and forth. Because Larry is right. He's like, that really hasn't ever been my problem. But Yeah, Cheryl uh, never complained about him being too much of a pussy. Yeah. But, you know, as Larry tries to get into that, he, uh, his therapist cuts him off. He's like, I'm sorry, we're, we're out of time. 
we're out, we're out of time. I have to end the session. And so at the movie theater, they're watching what seems to be, from what I could hear, some kind of French foreign film. It was probably something that, that Cheryl wanted to see that Larry is now sitting through. But he pulls the move that the therapist uh, told him to pull. He, he grabs her hand, says, I love you. And and Cheryl is, uh, you know, a little tickled by that. You can tell. Uh, so over at Wilshire, which I think is a horrible name for a restaurant on Wilshire Boulevard. I mean, you're just asking for an <laughs> Abbott and Costello. Oh, we're going to a restaurant. Which one? Uh, Wilshire. Uh, uh, but which one on Wilshire? Oh, uh, Wilshire. Uh, where is it? On Wilshire. Okay. And what's it called? Wilshire. Not the street, the restaurant. I mean, you're just asking for that. It makes me think the the main road that connects everything down here is Texas Avenue. Like you, <laughs> you guys didn't even try with that one. Oh yeah, well, I, uh, in Mississippi we had a great road like that, County Line Road. Oh. And guess what? It, it literally was the County Line. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but so this Wilshire was at twenty four fifty four Wilshire Boulevard in Santa Monica. It closed in July of 2019 after 14 years of misunderstandings like the one I just uh, reenacted. And another restaurant was planned for uh, the location of Wilshire. And it has a new exterior, and it's called FIA, F-I-A. And it's it's Californian cuisine. Hmm. Yeah, I'm like, what, what is exactly that? is Californian cuisine? Yeah, well, I, I had to look it up. First of all, you're going to drop about $100 per person Ooh. at FIA, I know. Ooh. Like, and that's probably without alcohol or anything. It's like if you, whatever you're getting. Like, So, for instance, the, the here's an app, Peach and Ricotta. Peaches on Ricotta, that's like 25 bucks. The Cavatelli Pasta is handmade, and it's also $42. Get this, grilled corn, $28. Jesus Christ. An ear of corn, grilled. I'm sure they sprinkle some bullshit on it, but $28. Uh, the ahi tuna is $47. A 12-ounce ribeye is going to be $75. The duck, that's what I always go. If there's duck on the menu, I'm ordering it. It's $49 at FIA. Um, so I guess kind of like light, green, gardeny seafood and fresh ingredients. I guess that's Californian cuisine if you had to put a put a label on it i guess it is weird though it's like oh yeah we serve pennsylvanian cuisine <laughs> what <laughs> what are you talking about you know pepperoni rolls and garbage fries <laughs> like, okay yeah uh i mean at least texas cuisine you could say oh it's probably hispanic and barbecue like yeah. that makes I, <laughs> like you could say that <laughs> speaking of pennsylvania cuisine uh had yeah. one of our one of our guys down here who was our night guy just had his last day recently but he filled in with me on mornings for a couple of yeah. days uh looked at me and said ted what's a pierogi uh. <laughs> and i'm like a pierogi uh and I had to explain to him what it was, and he's like, "I've never heard of that in my life." <laughs> yeah, that would definitely you'd have to you'd have to serve pierogies at your <laughs> Pennsylvania cuisine restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I mean that reminds me of another difficult to pronounce. I don't even like ordering it, even though. But punch punchkeys, I think is how you say it. But it's spelled P A C with the little eyelash under it. You know, the C with the little tail. Yeah. And then Z I, so I, it looks like Paxi. Oh, I always thought I always called it like Paxi. Yeah, that's Ma probably that's close. Yeah, pa pa Pajki, Pajki, Pajki. See, I, I've, I've I'm probably Poonchki. way off on that. I've seen Punchki when I've seen it phonetically. Yeah, gonna get that Punchki. Yeah. <laughs> Are you getting a lot of Punchki from me? Not an amount that, that is, is not, not manageable. manageable. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so maybe a Pennsylvania. I, I would sure. I would definitely eat at a Pennsylvania restaurant, but it would definitely be something that other parts of the country would make fun of. Uh, rightly so, perhaps. Uh, and so, uh, let me see. Where was? I? Oh, we're at, at Wilshire. So we've made our way through the menu, and Larry is still pleading his case when the Funkhausers stop by their table, and they are so pleased. Marty is so pleased to see Larry and Cheryl back together, but they're you know Larry and Cheryl very tentative. We're just having dinner. It's not, but. Their friends are very excited to see them uh, possibly reconciling. And Marty asked Larry to sponsor him for the Alzheimer's walk because Fran's dad, Dan, which I think was a funny line. I think that was meant to be funny. And I think it was just supposed to be something you go. That's a funny line. Fran's dad, Dan, has Alzheimer's. And so he's walking. He wants to sponsor him $50 a mile, which would be 250 bucks. And he goes, <laughs> Marty, I wonder how many of these. I'm guessing all of them were improv and I wonder how many alts there were because Larry David was cracking up. Not that I see him breaking in it, but they're so funny. Larry's like, well, what does he do that he has Alzheimer's? And these symptoms are questionable. I can, I know that much knowing someone. My wife works for the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, so these the symptoms are questionable for Alzheimer's. But he's like, he runs around the house naked all day. Every time he farts, he calls the fire department. Not going to lie. That sounds like a good existence. That sounds fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. And then he yells at the cat because it didn't vote. <laughs> I have to imagine that they let him roll like 12 of those. And then and they just, just pick the took... best ones. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I want to hear the other ones. I would love to. I, I got to look up the uh, the outtakes for season six or, or, or whatever. Yeah, because I just have a feeling that's something that Bob Einstein could just roll roll with, with a st- totally straight face like he was. But, you know, he would definitely, he's about to start complaining for it, about it. But then Cheryl kind of goes, well, you know, it's such a, a good cause. And Larry's like, you're right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's what? It's just $250. And, and so... Uh, he does sponsor him, and and Cheryl's like, "Wow, you know, I I can't believe it that you really are a new guy. I expected you to like complain about it or give him a hard time, which he definitely wanted to, but he's new, Larry." And so he takes the occasion to throw down the ultimatum. Cheryl does not take it very well and says, "Well, I'll give you my decision right now. You don't have to wait till Monday. I'm not moving back in." So back over to the therapist, Larry barges in, and he tells him, "You ruined my life. You ruined my life." He says it twice like that. Which I thought was funny. And he drags him to Cheryl's to tell him it was his idea to do the ultimatum. Uh, And so we finally get the doctor's name, Dr. Bright. And Dr. Bright and Larry show up to Cheryl's new place. It's beautiful. It is right. You walk out onto the beach. You're on the ocean. It's absolutely amazing. And she says that her therapist, (laughs) this is where I really started cracking up at Steve Coogan because she's like, my therapist said I should do something for me, do a me purchase. And Larry's like, because the therapist goes, that's good advice. And he's like, you didn't tell me to do a me purchase. He's like, we were working up to it. <laughs> we were going to, that's where we were going to end up. <laughs> um, it's just great how he just seems to be just completely talking out of his ass and like flying by the seat of his pants uh, the whole time. And uh, so Bright does tell uh, Cheryl that he was basing his thoughts about Cheryl on this picture that Larry was painting of her. And that he thought you were the kind of person that would respond to an ultimatum. So it was his idea. And I'll take, you know, 90% of the blame for what Larry did. And Larry's like, no, no, you you take 100%. He's like, well, I'm taking the lion's share. He's like, no, take the full share. You get 100% of the blame. And so the doctor's like, 
uh, okay, you're right. Uh, uh, new Larry is totally mine. I mean, the way he dresses, the shirts, I told him to do that. And Larry, now Larry's got to backtrack. He's like, what? No, no, New Larry was me. <laughs> uh, and so Cheryl says, all right, well, let me just, you know, talk all this over with, with my therapist. And, and uh, you know, they, they leave. And so they're over at Jeff's now. And Jeff and Larry and Dr. Bright are, are trying to figure out, because it's kind of unlocked in Larry's head. He's like, I've been talking about Cheryl, and you only got one side of her. Cheryl's doing the same thing to her therapist, only getting one side of me. If the therapist knew me and what a good person I can pretend to be, then <laughs> I could, you know, influence what Cheryl does in our relationship. And so at Larry's house, Larry's solution to everything we know is to save their life. Uh, I think he didn't, didn't he do this once before? Didn't he come up with this once before? I, maybe it was about the kidney consortium guy maybe that was their first plan but then they came up with the hitting the car thing as the other plan but yeah so larry uh, comes up with the idea to save her life and in this case leon would snatch her purse and then larry would pop out of nowhere and get the purse back and leon <laughs> as he does for his homeboy larry he's in immediately oh yeah he's like shit i'll do that but he's so <laughs> intent on fucking larry up <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. Sna snatch the purse, fuck you up a little bit. And Larry's like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like, someone's getting fucked up, Larry. <laughs> I'm going to break your glasses, break your teeth, something. <laughs> uh, and then Loretta and Auntie Ray come in, and they forbid Leon to even take part in any sort of role-playing like this uh, as Larry tries to kind of pass it off. Like, Leon's not doing that. And then Loretta suggests, as Dr. Bright is sitting there, this pasty-ass motherfucker got you in to the situation. He should get you out. And Dr. Bright says, I'll do it. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> like, he, uh, he reluctantly agrees, but he yeah. agrees. Yeah, he reluctantly agrees. Uh, and so out on the street, uh, Larry and Bright are arguing over the ski mask. He's like, all right, yeah, he, like Bright's psyching himself up and he pulls a ski mask down. And Larry's like, what the fuck are you doing? You look like a rapist with that thing on. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he like puts, he's like, he put the hood up. And he's like, the hood, isn't that a little cliche? And so then the, the doctor's coming out and Larry pushes him into the therapist and Dr. Bright goes, give me that purse. I'm mugging you. I'm mugging you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that all muggers say. <laughs> yeah. You have to instruct them as to what's going on. Yes. I'm mugging you. I'm mugging you. <laughs> um, and so that's when Larry comes out and, you know, tackles him, gets the purse back. The plan goes perfectly. But as <laughs> Dr. Bright runs away. The cops pull up and oh, tackle Dr. Bright. God. <laughs> but I, he immediately just turns around and starts walking back to Larry instead of, like, I don't know, making a break for it? Yeah, running maybe across the street the other way or something. So the cops have to, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, he turns around. But the thing uh, is, is, like, they pull up. Their lights are already on. Yeah, they go, whoop. <laughs> yeah. Like, they didn't see it happen. I know. I thought that was weird, too, but they at least they see something fishy going on, I guess. You they know? just see a guy <laughs> in a hood and a ski mask, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, we should be we should feel lucky it was Dr. Bright because if it was Leon, he'd be dead. I think yeah, is, uh, is the yeah, case. So yeah. I think Loretta and Auntie Ray made the right move there. Um, but them tackling Dr. Bright as he nonchalantly tried to walk away was maybe the biggest laugh I got all season, the whole season. I cracked up at that. And I love that while Larry and the therapist are talking, they're doing this like airplane naked gun, Abram Zucker Abrams trick where there, there is plot happening in the front, 
of the scene, but in the background of the scene, there's these hilarious things going on. Like they're slamming him down against the car hood. He tries to escape again and they grab his arm and Larry and the therapist are talking, but all of the action is, is going on there. And I just thought it was so funny and like such an interesting direction that we'd never seen before in curb. So once again, they pulled out another trick where, you know, like kind of like those old, those old classic gag movies where something funny would be happening in the background. Larry introduces himself though, as Larry David. And there's, you can see the flash of recognition in the therapist's face. Uh, so they go to a diner and Larry's there with the therapist. He's, you know, charming her and, and he begins weaving the story of the real me, uh, you know, cause he starts talking about how his wife left and, and he's like, you know, I gave my friend a kidney. And this was smart by Larry because the therapist goes, oh, I didn't know that. And he goes, why would you? Yeah. She's like, oh. Uh, you caught her, right. Larry. You yeah. caught her. Yeah. Good move, though. Like, very smooth. Just going like, oh, yeah, of course. Why would you? This is the first time we're meeting. And I don't know when- who you are other <laughs> yeah. than this chance meeting today. <laughs> yeah. And but when he leaves, it was like a Clint Eastwood movie when, like, Clint Eastwood leaves the town he saves at the end of the movie because this, like... The Western music is playing. They're like, <laughs> kind of music. And he's like squinting. And he's like, all right, I, uh, I got to go. Uh, you be careful out there. He's like really being suave and masculine like uh, around her as he, as he leaves. And so his next stop is to jail where he is visiting Dr. Bright. <laughs> and um, Larry does something that I hate in people. Because Dr. Bright says, you know, he's like, I'm in a cell that is smaller than my closet. My feet stick out of the bars and he's like really he's like you're not even that tall he's like i know that's how small it is he's like how tall are you? he's like 510 and larry has to check he makes him stand up and then he tells him he's not 510 and this is why this has happened to me so many times i don't even like telling people how tall i am <laughs> because i'm pretty sure i'm six feet every time i've measured it's like six feet even but every time you say that some asshole has to go no you're not you're not six feet like i've been i've been six feet as far as i remember and so Somebody always has to check, and I don't understand the purpose of it. Like, yeah. just let it go. Why? Do, do people do that to you, Ted? Because you're noticeably tall. I'm, like, averagely tall. People people ask me, and I, I, I'm i 6'2", and I, I always claim that I am the shortest tall person because I feel <laughs> – because, like, people who are shorter than me will say, God, you're so tall, but I'm like, I'll regularly – Find myself <laughs> surrounded by people who are six five, six six, six seven, yeah. or like at the very least six four. I'm like, I feel like a child. <laughs> I am looking up at these people, and like I don't know what they put in the water in some of these like small Texas towns, but there's like just college kids that are like six eight <laughs> and like just bumbling around Jeez. trying not to knock things over with their gigantic limbs. <laughs> yeah j- just those two inches make all the difference i guess like because i would have <laughs> that's what she said because i would have i would have guessed six four if you told me to guess but you're only slightly taller than me but uh, yeah i still feel sometimes i have tall days though some people i'll walk sometimes i'll oh, walk absolutely. around and people tell me yeah like wow you're tall i'm like wow and then i'll look down and i'll go whoa i'll get like vertigo i'm like i am tall <laughs> i'm having a tall day I don't know how to take advantage of it, though. <laughs> you really can't. Like can. Yeah, no. it's uh, yeah. It, it's not something that you can really plan for unless you yeah. unless you dress like Bart in that one episode where he's trying to appear <laughs> taller. You know, like the the vertical striped suit. You spike your hair all the way up. You wear platform boots. Yeah, get, get a yeah, really tiny, tiny dog. dog. Yeah, <laughs> such a hilarious gag. <laughs> 
But yeah, it's not like there's a roller coaster I can't ride that I'm like, oh, I got to get to Kennywood immediately. I'm having a tall day. Like, no, I can. There's nothing I can do with that extra couple inches. It'd be funny if there was a roller coaster that's only for like people six two and taller, and you're like, damn it. That would be awesome. That would be pretty awesome. I, I'd want to know why. Like, that'd be a big and tall park. There should be big and tall. Oh, park. that'd be awesome, especially with like how many coasters and rides are. You know, very, um, very like ableist ride designs, very sizest ride design. Yeah, like even I mean, they... even the new Tron coaster at Disney. Oh, really? Like it looks really cool, but the the ride vehicle you're literally straddling a bike and yeah. if you're bigger than like i don't know 250 pounds you're not going to be able to fit on it yeah they make i worked on a roller coaster for a little bit and they make them as as inclusive as they can but you know every so often we needed the uh you know we had an extender you know on there or or you'd have to like get like two or three people to like push on the thing uh, yeah that i know it feels know. good either <laughs> no i i had i had a guy like get up and walk off he was like no 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 we're not we're not doing this just let me off i just don't need to ride this and i was like okay but that's that's sop that's sop on alpengeister it was when i uh when i was in charge i was never in charge i was always <laughs> peon uh, but i did what i had to do um yeah so um <laughs> where the hell were oh yeah uh larry has to um the doctor is pleading to get him out of there, he's like, please. And Larry's like, oh, you know, I'll give me 20, I'll, you know, 24 hours. He's like, 48, 72. Then Larry has like, he's like, what's after 72? He like tries to do the math of like days in his head. Uh, and the doctor like keeps trying to talk to him about like pleading to get out of there. And then Larry goes, we have to stop. I'm sorry. We, we have to stop. <laughs> Just like the doctor cut him off, got him back. Uh, so Larry's driving in his car and the therapist told Cheryl to never talk to Larry again. And Larry's like puzzled. And this is as he is passing the Alzheimer's walk. And I had my wife who works for, who's worked for the Alzheimer's association for whatever, 10 years at this point now, probably maybe more to look at the accuracy of this. And according to her, that has never been the Alzheimer's association's logo. They've never had the tagline (laughs) join the walk for a cure. And also the shirts are red. (laughs) The shirts are red, not purple. It's always been purple. It's it was Memory Walk for a long time. It used to be called the Memory Walk. They had they did have a similar logo to the dude walking. So maybe this is kind of like a, a parody, not a parody, but you know, like a uh, an off brand kind of like we wanted to use the logo, but we didn't want to ask the nonprofit to use their logo in this yeah. uh, kind of thing. Like just make it look like this. This is the organization that does these. Just make it look like this. Like oh okay, everybody wears the same shirt. There's a guy walking in the thing. So um, and Larry catches up with Jeff, who was taking part in the walk. And he realizes that the therapist likes him. He did such a good job charming her that she has feelings for Larry now. And so he either, you know, tells her that he doesn't have feelings for her and she can, continues to badmouth him to Cheryl or, or, or it's even worse. Or he there's no reason to play into it because he doesn't want to be with a therapist. And so he's kind of screwed. Uh, and that's when Larry sees Marty Funkhauser. Just sitting at an outdoor cafe, watching watching the parade go by, watching the walkers <laughs> go by. And Larry says, what are you doing? I sponsored you for the walkathon. He's like, yeah, I raise money. I don't walk. <sighs> and I'm like, well, if he sponsored you $50 a mile and you walk zero miles, guess what? That's $0. You raise $0 then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Because if it was a, it sounds to me it was a five mile walk, which by the way is a whole hell of a lot longer than any. Because it was fifty dollars a mile, and he says the final bill would be two fifty. Like no one's walking five miles for a cheese. Um, but that's what the math was. See, I, so... I thought it was a five k, which would be okay. Three, three, three yeah. point, like three point one miles, a little, a little over three miles. That makes a little more sense. I mean, he did say mile, but I oh, mean, he, did he? he okay. You might have just misspoken. Just you know, fifty bucks up. Uh, I'm, I may have, I may have just uh, you know filled in the blank of like oh five oh five yeah. k sure five k yeah. These walks are typically like a mile, maybe like point eight. Like they don't. Yeah, make it's not gonna be. It doesn't take a lot. It's yeah. not gonna be that far. It's not gonna be like an endurance walk. Yeah, they don't make people walk that far. Um, and it really there's is. A, there's a lot of older people on these walks too. <laughs> And it really is more about the raising money to what Marty's point is. Like some people raise money and they don't walk or whatever, but the walking is sort of like, you know, it's like the culmination of it all. We're going to walk around and there's going to be some visibility and people are going to go, Oh, who are all these people in purple shirts and stuff like that. But I still say like, if, if it was, if Larry sponsored him for $50 a mile and you walked zero miles, that's $0. I'd, I'd be an angry Oak sponsor. Too. Yeah, exactly. And Larry is. Um, but as, Funkhauser's like, oh, what do you not care about people with Alzheimer's? And Larry goes, Alzheimer's? And he has a little bit of a, a flash of genius there. And so over at Eat on Sunset, Jesus which was, Christ. which is a great name for a restaurant. <laughs> and it reminds me, my favorite episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 is The Girl in Gold Boots. And it opens at like a shack restaurant in the middle of nowhere. It's like on a dirt desert road. It's literally like a, a like cinder block like 10 by 10 restaurant yeah. and the sign out front says eat and the guys make fun of it the entire time. So the fact that there's a, a like a hoity toity expensive restaurant on sunset that was called eat <laughs> like that's the best they could think of is just hilarious to me. Uh, I saw this on Reddit the other day uh, that there is a Thai restaurant and their sign out front. The name of the place is called Thai food near me. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant. <laughs> right? <food> near me. <laughs> right? That's incredible. That's awesome. So obviously when you Google Thai food near me, they're going <laughs> to come up, especially if you're in the area. <laughs> <laughs> there's a um, there's a Thai food right near, near me, not called Thai food near me, but it's called P-H-O. How do you pronounce that dish? Pho. That's what I thought. That's the way I've always said it. And this place is called P-H-O-K-I-M. K- Fuck him. Uh, okay. See, I... Um, I and I I'm heard, like... I, I don't remember, like, what podcast I was listening to. It was, like, all of the best, like, pho restaurants, they're yeah. just going to be, like, pho and a number. Because that's uh, typically whenever that family came over from uh, Vietnam. They came over yeah. to the States from uh, Vietnam. Uh, so it's going to be like your pho 76. It's going to uh, be a pho 79 or a pho 78. Uh, damn. All of the ones that are puns or something like that <laughs> are not traditional Vietnamese. And well, I, I think yeah. pho is Vietnamese. Now, I'm, now that I'm like saying it, I, I want to like check. Well, I, this says they serve Japanese fare as well. And here's the thing. Okay, so here's the twist. First of all, I don't think it's a pun because it's not written like that. It's written very classy. Okay. If I was going to... Yeah. Pho is a Vietnamese soup dish consisting of broth, rice noodles, herbs, and meat. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this one does say Asian Vietnamese. For some reason, I thought uh, it was Thai. But um, 
So I don't think it's meant to be a pun because it's written very ornately on the front and no one seems to point it out that way. But here's the thing. It's called Fuck Him 88. Oh, man. But mm, maybe is is Kim the surname of the family? That's, maybe that's my guess. Oh, that's my God. guess. I mean, that's a common Asian surname, right? Yeah. But here's the here's the real twist. It's on Route 88, Library Road. <laughs> so what do oh, I do? Oh God! What do I do? Oh God! I I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's an enigma among. It's like the exception that does not prove the rule, or whatever. I, I would say. I would err on the side of that is not traditional Vietnamese, but it looks good. I the would outside, be I, I would be willing good. to be proven wrong. All right, it's my mission. Maybe I'll try it for lunch or something this week. <laughs> it's my mission now to try fuck him 88 and report back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write that down just in case. It, you know, That's if, if anyone's an expert on what is a real and traditional Vietnamese fare, it's us, Tim. Yeah, exactly. Considering I probably had it maybe once in my life. I can't. <laughs> I don't even know if I've actually even had pho before. So pho pho. It is just, a, it just lends itself to so many great plays on words and puns. So, all right, where the hell were we? Oh, eat. That's right. <laughs> I just remember one of my favorite quotes from that Mystery Science Theater episode is, ah, I remember the night sniffing brandy at eat or whatever. They, they just keep talking <laughs> about eat. Uh, so we're at eat, which was at 1448 North Gower Street, uh, right in the middle of uh, Hollywood Sunset Boulevard. And it closed sometime before 2010. If you are a Dexter fan, you might recognize this as Deborah and Sal Price's restaurant. Oh. I don't know what I'm saying, but are you a Dexter guy? Oh, I'm a Dexter guy. I didn't oh, recognize okay. it, though. Well, there you go. Deborah and Sal. This was their restaurant. Uh, and it became La Vida, uh, and it is for lease the last time Google drove by. So nothing there at the moment. And Larry tells Cheryl's therapist that he has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And that's when she kind of confesses, wow, I thought there was kind of going to be a future, but you, you have to get back with your wife to spend your last few years with your wife. Uh, uh, and overcomes Jerry Gergich from Parks and Rec, a.k.a. Jim O'Hare. Did you, are you a Parks and Rec guy? I'm not, no. Oh, this is like one of the main characters of, of Parks and Rec. I'll have to, uh, well, I got to put him down for next week now um, because the much put upon Jerry... Gary, Larry, I forget what his real name ended up being. He started, he's worked in the Parks Department for like his entire career, like 25 years or whatever. And on the first day, they got his name wrong. Uh -huh. They called him Jerry. And it's actually, it comes out in like the last season or something that it's Gary. And he just was too polite to correct them. So they called him <laughs> Jerry for his 25 years. Jesus. <laughs> I know, but like that's just the kind of doormat that he is because he's like the nicest guy, but everyone's always like, shut up, Jerry. And he's like, oh, sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you feel sorry for him, but they do it in a funny way. Um, and he is an LAPD detective who just needs a description of the attacker. And we have the guy in custody. We just need, you know, this confirmation from you, one of the witnesses. And Larry, it works out perfectly. He doesn't remember because of the Alzheimer's. So he doesn't have to send his oh, therapist perfect. up the river. Perfect. It couldn't have worked out better. Uh, so over at jail, Dr. Bright is being freed <laughs> because they can't, they don't have enough evidence. And here's where Larry could have ruined the whole thing. Larry is picking him up. 
I mean, don't you think that it'd be weird? It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you be worried about one person going, hey, wait a minute. That's the witness. Why is the witness picking up the suspected attacker? Yeah. I would be, I would be worried about like it, it, like a prison guard. He doesn't know who he's guarding or where they're from or who they are, but just on the off chance, prosecutors are there all the time talking to inmate, like just on the off chance, why risk it? Just stay in the car, get Leon to drive you, get Jeff to drive you and stay in the, whatever. You don't even have to go, but like, it just (laughs) seemed to me it was a real misstep in the plan, but it worked out fine. (laughs) Um, And Dr. Bright is so skittish. Oh my God. Yeah. Larry like just goes to slap his shoulder a couple of times and he's just, uh, just backs away and just goes, he recoils. (laughs) Don't hurt me. Um, What happened in the few days that he was in prison? Oh, I don't think I could last as long as Dr. Bright did in prison. I mean, it just does not seem fun. I, I, I have a feeling. Maybe if you had awful. a deck of cards. Maybe you got to bring a deck of cards. Always have a deck of cards. I love how angry Larry got at that. When he's like, ah, oh, man, you always have a deck of cards. God. <laughs> um, and Dr. Bright is like despondent. He's like <laughs> introverted and like just visibly depressed. And Larry is visibly uncaring. Like, all right, let's go. because he's like dr bright is like taking account of his entire life and he's like obviously scarred for life and larry's like okay let's get in the car (laughs) so on a date with cheryl larry and cheryl are at a carnival and it's going great larry wins her i want to know how many shots they had to do because larry sinks a basket on those carnival games immediately in his first (laughs) shot and like how many takes you mean yeah, yeah, how many takes did that? Because like those things are rigged, and just to be able to sink one at any point in your life is is amazing. Uh, so he does. He wins the tiger, and they they get on the Ferris wheel, and then we see Doctor Bright, who is talking to his therapist about his experiences over the past week, and that happens to be Doctor Slavin, Cheryl's therapist. And then Cheryl tells Larry she agrees to move back in as she gets a call. Which she takes, which I thought was rude. If Larry had taken a call from anybody, even if he's like, but it's my therapist. She would have been like, oh, well, we were on a nice date. I can't believe you took a call. But Cheryl takes a call. Whatever. Different standards for her. Uh, <laughs> and it's her doctor. And that's when Frolic starts up. And that's the end of the episode. I guess the whole thing was going to be blown up. Dr. Slavin was calling to tell Cheryl everything. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because she got the story from Dr. Bright about... Larry and then put two and two together Larry doesn't actually have Alzheimer's he because Dr. Bright I'm sure would have been able to tell her that and then the plan to mug her Dr. Bright was the villain and I mean yeah so that's what's going on she's being told the whole thing so kind of a cliffhanger I like that heading into the uh 10th episode of the season with the finale yeah okay what do we got for homework this week fuck him 88 is it any good (laughs) (laughs) and that's uh that's a good that's a good bit of homework (laughs) (laughs) and jim o'hare what was he up to uh, around 2007 because we're definitely prior to parks and rec although it can't have been too far off it started in 2009 so he was two years away from his big break but what was he doing in 07 where we might have we seen him before parks and rec okay okay uh what do you like for cover art wow I mean, something during the mugging seems like it would be appropriate. Yeah, that's all. What are you thinking? Uh, Larry and Dr. Bright in jail <laughs> at their jail visit. That could be kind of funny. What does HBO have? I mean, I think a shot of 
I think a shot of Dr. Bright being tackled while Larry and the therapist are talking in the foreground would be hilarious. <laughs> oh. Or anything in that scene where he's getting lit up and Larry and the therapist are just chatting. Uh, the, the photo that HBO has is literally just a profile photo of Cheryl. That's it. <laughs> wow. Way to go. Way, way to, to go. go. Oh, HBO. wait. You mean way to go, Max. Well, it's it's still on HBO's site. They just uh, stream okay, okay. with Max. Uh, okay, uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So we had uh, Larry tries to curry favor with Cheryl by influencing her therapists. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually perfect. It, just remove the S. It's good, but yeah, there's there's one therapist that he tries to curry favor with. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Uh, all right, Tim, did you like it's, this episode? Yes, and and it speaks to why the description is so good because even the B storylines, I mean, there's really just the Alzheimer's walk, but really they're almost like just subsections of the A storyline. There's really only one storyline, and they really did a damn good job on it. I had to give this a star with an up arrow. Ooh, this okay. was uh, a I got the biggest laugh of the season to me when when. The mugging goes wrong. I'm bugging you. Uh, and Steve Coogan is excellent uh, as in this. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. All. And it all, it comes full circle. And then there's a bit of a trap door at the end where we don't know what's going to happen. What's Cheryl mm. going to feel like in episode 10? I really like that. Uh, you know, is she going to be with him? Is she not going to be with him? Um, it really raises the stakes as we head into the finale. But yet it all did come full circle and worked out so perfectly for Larry. He came up with the perfect plan to to make everything work and that's diagnose himself with alzheimer's uh you know he saves dr bright he gets out of the relationship with cheryl's therapist and uh it all works up until a point but it, it folded in on itself in a great way that i love when curb does so that's why i had to i had to start this episode and so now i'm in big trouble i hope the finale sucks balls oh, because man. i have so many stars uh i'm like and you've now got i think two and... star up arrows right Oh no! Or just one. Oh boy, I might have two. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even want to know. <laughs> yeah, because we got. Oh man, the first two episodes are starred, and then I took a break. I remembered I wasn't as free with them. Uh, there's the freak book. That's three, I think. <laughs> the TiVo guy. That's a star low. Star low. So that one will be bumped, I guess. The N word. Got a star, and then this is my only star up. I think you have one star up, I do, right? I do, okay. As well, yeah, so, yeah, that's where I got, I stole that idea from you, so. Um, I don't know if that means this will be my number one, though. Mm. I don't know, I don't know. There's, all, there's always uh, there's always the chance that the finale is very, very, very good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what about you? How did you feel about this um, episode? I, I thought it was okay. I gave it a star low. I, I Coming off of how I... Coming off of how I felt about the N word, <laughs> yeah, um, which you love, you love the N word. <laughs> I, I thought it was uh, just, um, I thought it was an average episode. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I mean maybe the N word was funnier than this. I don't know why. I again, it was like when I watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago. I was obviously in love with it, and then yesterday I watched it and I was like just kind of more in review mode. I was like, I just want to remember what the hell happened, yeah. so I wasn't really watching it as intently as uh, as the first time so um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough top three when we finally roll around to it oh my gosh all right well next week we have got season six episode 10 the bar mitzvah 
Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not Jewish. I don't know the proper pronunciation of it. Is it bat mitzvah? It's just bar mitzvah, right? Bat mitzvah is for a girl, and bar mitzvah is for a boy. A bat mitzvah. Okay, so so it is bat mitzvah. So this is the bat mitzvah? The bat mitzvah. Okay. All right. Uh, original air date, November 11th, 2007. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see, in the season six finale, a bat mitzvah provides Larry with a chance to clear up his recent domestic travails. God, that sounds like one of my first drafts. <laughs> like, I would go... Look, I know we're not going to keep this, but domestic travails. I can't think of the right word right now, but I just want to get it going. I just want a jumping off point. God, that's awful. It's really bad. <laughs> domestic travails? Yeah. I mean, you never even hear that oh, word used yeah. that way. And, and here's the thing. Uh, with Max, uh, they don't show you the single episode screen anymore. So oh, I had to search for this on HBO's website. Oh, jeez. Great. Travail. Engage in painful or laborious effort. I mean, I had to look it up. Look it up. I'm like, I'm like I kind of know what that means, but... And that's a verb. Is travail... Have they even used that correctly? Oh, noun. Okay. A work, especially of a painful or laborious nature. So, you can travail at a travail. <laughs> but still. Not... We're not keeping that, I can tell you right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.